0: Where is Greg Brooks? Come on up here. You have a testimony you wanted to share. He said... Listening to a very special message from Joy Community Church. I want to talk to you from the book of 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, Thessalonians, chapter 1. And I want to talk about imitating the image of God. And I want to take us right to the first verse. We're going to read the whole chapter. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians. In God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope. That sounds like Joy Community Church. Oh, my goodness. In our Lord Jesus Christ, for we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with, with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Acacia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Acacia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, it urges Christians to become imitators of God. It's as if God himself is saying to us, I believe in you. I know that despite your imperfections, you have the ability to be like me in cert- to a certain extent. What are some qualities that you and I can imitate? The Apostle Paul tells The Christians to pursue a way of life characterized by unselfish love, kindness, tender compassion, and forgiveness. We see that in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4 and chapter 5. Truly, when it comes to displaying kindness, expressing warm hearted compassion, and forgiving others freely, we have the greatest example of all to imitate in God's image. That's what happens when we offer that to one another. Our Heavenly Father does not force us to imitate him. On the contrary, he's dignified us with our own free will. So whether you will become an imitator of God or not, that's really up to you. But let me tell you this, you might not think that it's important to imitate the image of God, but others are going to be punished when you don't. <laughs> Never forget, though, that you have within you the potential for displaying Godlike qualities. Of course, to imitate God, you must first know who, what, he is like. The word helps us to learn all about the characteristics and the ways of God whose matchless personality has drawn millions of people to become imitators of him. That's what I long to be. How about you? Imitating his image. Those who imitate God's image are vibrant and victorious people. I believe that with all my heart as I study the scriptures. And I want to share this morning some spiritual characteristics to help you imitate God in his image. And the first is found in verses 1 and 2 and verse 5, and that is emulate God's person. In 1 Thessalonians verse 1, it says, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and Jesus Christ, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, grace. And peace to you. And when you look at those two verses, you see the salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ that came from our Heavenly Father. We see in the scriptures, and we see in verse 5, that the Trinity is mentioned in this chapter, and that there are three persons who are involved in our salvation. And he starts off in verse 1 wanting you to know that you've been marked by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Through their salvation plan, you've experienced this interactive grace that doesn't cease today, but is alive today as you and I work out our salvation in Jesus Christ part of embracing his person is understanding that you don't just require Jesus to understand Jesus. You are required to understand our Father in heaven. You're required to understand and experience who the Son of God is. You're called to actually allow the Holy Spirit to dwell within you, and you are called to be somebody who personifies the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How? By his grace and peace. To know that as you imitate his image, you are practicing on a daily basis walking in the free gift of his salvation for you, walking in the favor of his grace, and understanding that when you need the Father, and you need the Son, and you need the Holy Spirit, that you can tap into a peace that will surpass all your human understanding. It will guard your heart. It will guard your mind. It will guard your soul. It will guard your spirit, a peace that passes all human understanding. I don't understand it. If you think you do, he'll put you through some circumstances where you require more peace. Been there and doing that right now. And I love the opening because we kind of just read and kind of move on because it's the intro. When it's the intro that establishes who he is in his image, he's filled with salvation. He's filled with forgiveness. He's filled with resurrection life. And we get that in grace and peace. So God the Father, we're saved by grace. God the Son, we are saved because he died on the cross. And Christ emerges not just as Jesus as Lord, but Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the conqueror over everything any enemy, over any demonic force, any over any worldly system that would try to shut down Father God, the Son of God, and the Holy Spirit. They're already defeated in his name. And so when you're imitating the image of God, you embrace and you take on and you emulate the power and the grace, and the compassion, and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, and you're marked as a child of God. It's powerful, folks, to emulate his person. A story is told by Frederick Fitchener, and it's called The Happy Hypocrite. And it's a story about a man who was born with an awful facial deformity. And he grew up alone and lonely. And when reaching adulthood, he decided to move from his town to begin a new life. And on his way, he discovered a beautiful mask that fit him, making him look handsome. At first, the mask was uncomfortable, and he was afraid that people would find out who he really was. But he continued to wear the mask Every day. In his new hometown, he made many friends and fell in love. But one day, a wicked person from his old hometown came to the new town and discovered this man's true identity. In front of his new friends and his fiance, the person forced him to remove his mask. And when he removed his mask, it revealed a a handsome face. I'll get it out. His face was conformed to the mask after all those years. And becoming like Christ is comparable to this. Go ahead, make a decision today that you are going to put on the person of God, of Jesus Christ, and the person of the Holy Spirit, and you will emulate an image. And uh, at first when you put on Christ and you put on God and you put on the Holy Spirit, it seems unnatural or uncomfortable and maybe you think that you may be trying you may be trying to be a fool, but that's a lie of the enemy. Every day I encourage you keep on putting, keep putting on Christ. keep putting on the Father and keep putting on the Holy Spirit. Tell them that you're making yourself available to be more like God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You will be a vibrant and victorious person as you allow the Father and Son and Holy Spirit to conform your life. And when it seems unnatural, or uncomfortable, keep putting it on, them on. Amen? Another wonderful characteristic that you can put on is found in verses 3 and 4, and that is you can embrace God's heart. You can embrace his heart. And it says in verses 3 and 4 here, we continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. So glad he's chosen us, aren't you? Oh my goodness, where would we be today had he not chosen us? Listen, if it were 1 o'clock and you turned on the Bills game, I'd get more reaction. Are you kidding me? We are saved. We are sanctified. We've been bought with a price. Let's get a little more excited. than. All right, Pastor, that's a good idea. Faith, love, and hope have transformed your lives. Faith, love, and hope have inspired your lives. Faith, hope, and love are the bedrock of your faith. Amen? They keep you steady in the storm. They keep you steady when you're tested. They keep you steady when you're facing tribulation. It is faith and love and hope that make you stand strong. And people look upon your life and say, that indeed, that person is indeed a believer. They're a Christian, and they are a role model to me. I said that to Pastor Deborah. After all she's gone through over this last year, and many years, by the way, she is a role model to our staff. She never comes into staff meeting grumbling and complaining. She never tells us. We have to drag it out of her. And even when we drag it out of her, she still won't tell us at all She, because she's saying God's going to take care of this. She's not denying what's happening. She's just focusing on who can help her as this all unfolds. Amen? And she becomes this role model for us on staff as somebody who really has embraced faith, love, and hope. And in her situation right now, that has got to be her bedroom. That has got to be her foundation. And she inspires all of us. I like what Dr. Kenneth Almer said. He said, we may never have a perfect heart, but we may have a heart that runs after a perfect heart. That helps liberate me. I don't know about you, but some days, this boy doesn't have a perfect heart. Sometimes, I don't even think I have a I can be so cranky, I can be so annoying, I can be so irritating, and I can just, well, whatever. Be, you know, just be cantankerous at, at times. And then I get disappointed because I want to have a heart after God. Isn't that what he said about David? He was a man who had a heart after God. God didn't say that David had a perfect heart. God said he had a heart after me. That's really what he's looking for, folks. When we embrace his heart, he's hoping we'll embrace his heart so that we'll have a heart after him. We'll go for the gold. Amen? And so it just inspires me, this faith, hope, and love. He talks about having a work of faith we see that work, a, a work of faith must always lead to works. It means service. If you say that you are somebody who loves the Lord and that you're in right relationship with the Lord, then you're serving God somehow. And if you're not, you need to get busy and serve him because that's a part of faith. If the Thessalonians had continued to worship their idols while professing faith in God, it would have caused others to question their salvation in Christ. We see that God's heart is emulated in the labor of love. And the labor of love is evidence of our salvation in that we have embraced God's heart for forgiveness. Forgiveness is one of the greatest characteristics of God's love. It's what motivated his love for us and it allowed us to receive his love because he forgave us first, even when we were still sinners. It's powerful. Well, we're taught by God to love one another and when we love Christ, we desire to keep his commandments. And then it talks about another aspect of embracing God's heart and that is having patient hope. God is so patient with us. He is so patient with where we're currently at and where we're going and what we're going to become uh, through his son, Jesus Christ. And these people, the Thessalonians, they were waiting for the second return of Christ. You have to understand that they they thought once Christ had resurrected and ascended into heaven, there was an immediate understanding that he would return again because he had taught that way. He had told them that he would return. And so they were disappointed as Thessalonians because people were dying off. This generation was dying off and Christ had not yet returned. And they were concerned as to, what about our faith? What about our love for Christ? What are you going to do? And so Paul taught them on patient hope. That's also, uh, the angels don't know when Jesus is coming. Jesus doesn't know when Jesus is coming. Only God the Father knows when Jesus is coming again. And so he wanted them to understand they needed patient hope and that that was definitely a characteristic of their Father in heaven. And so this hope was not a sense of optimism or wishful thinking. The Thessalonians had this confidence, this steadfast expectation based on a solid certainty resting on the promises they were taught by Paul. Timothy and Silas. So th- this was not a false hope. You will be a victor- you will be victorious when you let the virtues of God's faith and His love and his hope influence your salvation. You're like, well, I'm already saved. what's your issue? You're supposed to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You're supposed to be, be somebody, That once you're baptized in water, and that baptism represents your identification with the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ, you're declaring your faith, your hope, and your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're called to go back to the first verse and let the grace of God sustain you on your journey so that... You can work out your salvation in these times, in these days, in these hours with excitement and joy and tenaciousness. This is a season to be tenacious in faith, in love, and hope. Can I tell you? It is not a time or season to be idle in your faith. You're going to get your bottom kicked and you're going to go from one District to another, I'm telling you. You've got to hold on to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you've got to say, wait a second, I am saved by the grace of God, and I'm holding on, and I'm going to fight the good fight, and I'm going to fight with fear and trembling, and I'm going to allow God the privilege to work in me his heart, his spirit. we see another characteristic in verses 5 and 6. And that is where we're supposed to exercise his his power. The gospel came to them through the ministry of Paul and Timothy and Silas. But the Holy Spirit used the word with great power. And and when it talks about the power, and actually, if you go there to verse 5, it says here, um, because our gospel came to you not simply with words. That's an important statement. Paul is saying here, first of all, there was a demonstration of the word of God through the salvation of your lives. There was a demonstration because the church was established in Jesus Christ. And there was a demonstration because that word power means signs, wonders, and miracles. And so that power that they they were experiencing They were being transformed when they were gathering together week after week, day after day. These people were encountering the spirit of the living God with the manifestation of the gifts of the spirit and the power of the spirit. And they were experiencing this life in Christ, this abundant life. And he's saying, this is not a humdrum faith. This is action-filled, spirit-filled. life you can either have it or you can deny it and more churches are denying the supernatural manifestation of the power of God and people come into services that are dead week after week that's not what I hope for at joy you understand why do we need to pray? Because the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy the power of the Holy Spirit. Shut it down, label it, and say it's ineffective today. I say, the spirit of the, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen? Come on, get excited for Jesus. You want to imitate the image of God? God is almighty. God is all-powerful god is ever-present god is all-knowing god is all loving god is all forgiven he calls us to emulate to embrace and take his heart and say folks you need to experience jesus christ as lord and savior there is a power that can transform your life when i look out at this congregation i don't see people who are misfits i see people who are king's kids and they're transformed from glory to glory to glory. You're not perfect. I am, but you're not perfect. (laughs) I'm just kidding on Facebook land because now they're already quoting that and saying this guy's off his rocker. I am off my rocker. And I'm very happy about that, actually. Some of you may not be laughing because you know it's true. I look at these people who exercise, the Thessalonians, who exercise the power of God, and here they are. They've been imitating both the messengers and God, and they minister with authority and impact. We are in a day, folks, where we need to minister with the authority and of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit's power and the anointing of our Father God. We are in a day where people need to know that the gospel message is not just about going to a church and doing busy work for God. It's being filled with the spirit of the living God and living in such a way that we're growing and maturing in our faith and we're becoming righteous and like Christ on a daily basis. Nobody is perfect, but everybody moving forward to be more like Jesus Christ. That is my heart as a pastor. That's what I'm here to do. I'm not here to make perfect people, but I'm here to help people exercise the power of God Almighty through His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm called to do. That's what I'm going to do, and I'll preach it. I don't care. Because it needs to be heard. Your faith will be vi- uh, vibrant. You know why it will be vibrant? Because just like the Thessalonians, they were, being, they were suffering. They were being persecuted. Why? Because they turned from their old nature, their old behaviors, their old patterns of life, and they turned from all the idols that the Greeks had established in Thessalonica, and now they're actually free. They're worshiping with Jews. They're Gentile. They're worshiping together, and now we're seeing that they're suffering for their faith. They're being persecuted, and yet they're as a young church. This is a young church. This is 49 AD. This is a young church. And so here we are. And they're making a stand, and the whole world is taking notice. That is God's plan for this church. It is God's plan for Joy Community Church. It absolutely is. And we see in verses 7 and 8 another characteristic that will help you to actually imitate God's image. And that is enthusiastically share his word. Other believers wanted to imitate the Thessalonian faith, their love, their hope in Christ. In verse 5, we see the Thessalonians are receivers of the word from Silas and Timothy and Paul. But then you see in verse 8, you see this progression of growth. You see this progression of transformation. You see this progression of grabbing on to the authority of the word of God, and now they're not now just receiving the word, they're transmitting the word. And that's what the issue is today in the local church. Let me come and get, get, get. And God's saying, wait one moment here. How long have you been saved? Because I want to use you. How long have you known the name of Jesus and experienced my transformation in your life? Then get up and be a transmitter rather than a receiver. I'm calling my church in this hour to be transmitters of the word of God, the authority of God, and the spirit of the living God. I want people to know that I'm a God who has a heart for them, and you are my messenger. I need you to go. On October seventh, 1857, C.H. Spurgeon preached to the largest audience ever some 23,654 assembled in the Mammoth Crystal Palace for a national day of fasting and prayer. A few days before the event, Spurgeon had gone to the huge hall to test the acoustics. Stepping into the pulpit when nobody else was there, he lifted up his voice like a silver trumpet and proclaimed, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Then Spurgeon repeated that one verse again. Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Satisfied with the acoustics, he left and went his way. And unknown to him, there were two men working on the rafters of the large auditorium. Neither of them were Christian. And one of the men was pricked in his conscience by the verse that Spurgeon quoted and he became a believer that day. Such is the penetrating power of God's eternal word. There is so much word in you. There has been so much teaching through the years in you. You, have, you can turn to any iPodcast, any radio station, television station. You name it, you can get the word of God. It's so accessible today. And God's saying it's one thing to read it, it's another thing to believe it, do it, live it, and bring it. And I'm looking for people who will bring the word of the Lord. Are you one of those people? Because he's looking for you. We become vibrant and victorious Christians when we courageously share the word of God Do other people give testimony of how the penetrating power of God's work has impacted your life? Do they see it? When they interact with you, do they hear it? Do they experience that living, active word in your life? Or do they hear complaints and grumbles and all the things that God ain't done with your life yet? Think about it. There's enough of that going around. People need the word of the Lord. Amen? That's what they need. They need the word of the Lord. I look at verses 9 and 10, and I see another characteristic of really imitating God's image. And that is what God has promised to do for us. Verse 9 says, surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone. Oh, I'm reading the wrong scripture. Oh, that's still a good scripture. Just the wrong chapter. Gee, I didn't think I would redo what I did last week. Here we go. Verse 9. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Do you know how much... How many people need to understand he's not a religious God. He's not a denominational God. He's a living, true God. He's a God that cares about their current situation, and he longs for them to understand that he's called them to imitate his image as well as he's called us. And he wants them to expect. He wants them to be expectant of the Lord's return. Many humbly denied their old behaviors. They had their work of faith, which made them expectant people. They had their label of love, which made them expectant people, giving them tender compassion for the lost. We need tender compassion. We need merciful hearts. We need an expression of forgiving spirits that go out and take the word and give that word in such a way that people want to respond by asking for God's forgiveness. It doesn't start anywhere else but there. That's where it begins. And their patient hope, it made them an expectant people because they were waiting for Christ's return. The word wait here is describing a deep patience, a, a willing confidence and expectancy, I am expecting to be transformed into the image of my Lord Jesus Christ. I'm expecting that as I do that, I'm going to be prepared for the second of coming of Jesus Christ. And I'm if he comes after I'm gone, then I know where I'm going. Amen? And when he comes, I'm going to grab onto whatever he's... Lifting, going to pull me up. I'm going to grab on quickly. That's all I have to say. And I'm going to say, You're f- you finally came. I've been waiting. I've been expected. I've been so confident that you were coming And You're better than I thought you were going to be. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. He's so awesome. I love what Jack Hafer said. I thought this really pulled everything together for me. This one quote. The return of Christ is an assured future event. And that event is closer than it has ever been before. I love that. I'm living with that anticipation in my heart. Amen? I hope you do as well. Your faith, your love, your hope emulate his person. Embrace, embrace his word. Expect his second coming. You will become a vibrant Christian and you will be a victorious Christian because there in you lies a new anticipation that you're not just living for self, but you're living for his return. And as you live for his His return, you're not serving self, you're serving people and his church and his kingdom. Amen? Let's pray. I don't know about you folks, but I'm telling you, I am so thrilled to be here today. I love the word of the Lord. I love when he speaks to our hearts. And I thank you, Lord God, that you're asking us to imitate your image, that you want vibrant and victorious Christians You want believers who are filled with faith and love and hope. You want believers who will actually take an inventory and ask you, Lord God, to help them emulate your person, embrace your heart, exercise your power, and enthusiastically share your word. God, we're in an hour where we need, we need to see salvation at work. We pray, Lord God, for the unsaved. We pray for family members who are so far from you. We pray for those who are so rebellious, so spiteful, and so stubborn of heart. Those who have declared that their lives are their own. Lord, you have declared that your grace is a saving grace. Your peace is a peace that marks hearts and goes beyond human understanding. Lord, that your love is an everlasting love, it's a steadfast love, it's an uncompromising love, and it's an unconditional love. And we pray, Lord God, that in the coming days we would become Thessalonians in spirit, that, Lord, we would walk in the authority, we would walk in the anointing of knowing our Father God, the Son of God, and the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, God. Today, mark us with your power. Mark us with new faith. Mark us with a love that will transform us and give us hope, patient hope, confident hope that Jesus Christ is coming again. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. God bless you. We're going to open up the altar for some personal ministry. Have a great day. Enjoy your family and enjoy... That you, you yourself can imitate God's precious image. Amen? Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at joycc.info.